It is indeed time for the Get Right with Reggie KG on 105 through the fan. Kevin Gray, Reggie Atatula, Justin Honore with his Michael B. Jordan slander joining us here <laughs> on the Get Right. Appreciate you joining us on Odyssey and the Odyssey app. The text line, 877-881-1053, 877-881-1053 if you want to get in on the conversation. And it's still jumping with people who they feel are the best bad actors. And y'all wilding in here too. Uh, someone said Jennifer Lopez, which is why. Have you seen enough? Oh, such a good Have film. you seen Made in Manhattan? Also fair. Uh, Arnold Schwarzenegger. Okay. Fair submission. Uh, all right. Vin Diesel. <laughs> it's all about family. I loved him in Pitch Black, though, so I don't, I'm not sure um, if I want to call. And then someone from the 740 who said they tuned in late and missed the question, but the answer is always Chuck Norris. <laughs> oh, Chuck Norris. The Chuck Norris jokes over the years have been incredible. But, yeah, some of y'all are here tripping. Um, like, for example, because we'll get to the Cowboys here in a second because talk about a joke right now. Uh, whatever they're doing with the offensive line seems to be turning into that in some ways. Uh, from the 940, they said John Cena, best bad actor out there. First of all, let's he's put some respect on John Cena. Pretty good. He's actually a pretty damn good actor. If you've seen Peacemaker, you know exactly what I'm talking about. Um, Ryan Gosling? And I don't think he falls in that range of bad actors. Also, if he was a bad actor, are we going to call him the best bad actor? Because I don't know if I want to do like, yeah, I don't like. I wouldn't go into him. He, at least in my mind, well, the way that I classify the bad actors is like I would watch him be bad as entertainment. Mm, okay. You know what I mean? Like, because I've watched, I've had friends get together and watch Ghost Rider. You remember Ghost Rider with uh, Nick Cage? Nick Cage, that's right. We've watched that and just crack jokes. I was like, oh yeah, no, that's elite level bad acting. And I wasn't necessarily watching Nick Cage for. Nick Cage, if you know what I mean. Apparently, a lot of people aren't doing that right now. You saw the Renfield numbers. <laughs> oh, they were that awful? They're so bad. It looked like a goofy concept from the beginning. Which I thought, that you know, they're playing into the idea. Maybe it works. Doesn't seem like it's working. Uh, 682, put some respect on Ryan Reynolds. Good actor. Y'all are doing a lot. Not Seth Rogen's 817. Five, five, 586, Keanu Reeves. There you go. See what I said? <laughs> I said what I said. All right, I got to answer this one because we're going to talk about the Cowboys. We need to talk about the Cowboys, I know, KG. but the 469, really? Samuel L. Jackson? Oh, don't do that. What are we doing here? Don't do that. Let's talk about the Cowboys. Mm-hmm. Y'all about to make me mad. Yep. Um, <laughs> the Cowboys apparently uh, trying some quote-unquote out-of-the-box ideas, maybe, when it comes to them and their offensive line. Because Michael Gelkin, uh, the Dallas Morning News, in his um, latest piece here, quote, why the Cowboys' problem sorting out starter at left guard is, quote, unquote, great for Dallas. Huh. Okay, I'm listening. The Cowboys are sorting through who their primary left guard will be in 2023. A noticeably leaner Terrence Steele. Uh, who apparently is down from uh, the 320s to about 312 now these days. So it's felt Terrence still running around. Wait a minute. All right. So we're saying Terrence still got lighter, and they're, you're still about to say the thing that they – keep going. I, I, I'm going to allow you to get to that point mm-hmm, before I lose mm-hmm, it. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. The Cowboys are starting through who their primary left guard will be in 2023. And noticeably, leaner steel is, quote, an out-of-the-box option they have considered. But no such move has yet been made. Until he is told otherwise, Steele is focused on rehabbing toward a return 
to right tackle while others compete at left guard. So they want to take a dude who has gotten lighter and put him inside? Right now, as you look at, so the Cowboys are proceeding with what they consider their strongest available combination, which is Tyler Smith at left tackle, a Matt Farniak-led rotation at left guard, Tyler Biotis at center, Zach Martin at right guard, and Tyron Smith at, at right, right tackle, tackle. Which, I mean, Tyron Smith is a Hall of Fame caliber tackle, obviously at left tackle. Where? At left tackle. Thank you. But you give him an opportunity to have a full offseason of work at right tackle. And so the th- idea is maybe that a good amount of that translates to the right, and then you just got a very high-level right tackle. I understand why you've had these conversations about him and Terrence Steele. Uh, Chuma Yudoga got to look around like, oh, so y'all just don't like me at all. Like, y'all just signed him. Did they, was, uh, I mean, obviously, the idea could have been you sign him entirely as a depth proposition. They must really like what they've got out of Matt Farniak because, I mean, just constantly, name keeps getting brought up. Um, face keeps brought up. Like, it just it feels like they really like that cat or maybe they're just – I don't understand – Especially from a from a coaching staff that dogged us, us the media, when we were talking about, well, what do you do? What if you move this around? What if? Well, we don't want to play fantasy football, and here we are. How about that? Talking about Terrence Steele. How about that? Who played incredible at the right tackle spot? We were very and like the idea of tackle is that you have to a little bit more athleticism and flexibility, and guard is where you can be bigger, badder, stronger, and then just kind of use that. And they're like, let's take a more lean guy movements. I just do not understand. Do you have some? Some level of understanding to impart to me, KG, because I'm very confused. Uh, first of all, no. Okay. Uh, number two, I'm so bothered by this because let's try to take, you know, the several layers of this and try to break this down as best we can. Number one, the idea is to put your best five offensive linemen on the field. And again, we're looking at best case scenario when these players are healthy. The best five that you can put out there right now at their best positions, Tyron Smith at left tackle, Tyler Smith at left guard, Tyler Biotis at center, Zach Martin at right guard, Terrence Steele at right tackle. Again, we're talking about at best case scenario when these players are healthy. And I know people will jump on this text line right now and say, well, Kevin, Tyron Smith hasn't been healthy and played a full season in the past six, seven years. Which is true. Which is factually true. Mm -hmm. But again, we go back to this. Who are the best five that you want on the field right now? And if you tell me if the Cowboys love positional flex and value, you can, with Tyler Smith right now, have him play left guard while you have Tyron Smith as your left tackle. Will he get injured? History says yes which means you should feel good that you can have Tyler Smith as your left guard, slide out to left tackle, and you not miss a beat. Yeah. And then Chuma Adoga could be there or at Farniak, left guard. Or Farniak, Farniak who, could be I there. Mean, on the text line, they're reminding us, Big Ten offensive lineman. Yeah, at left guard, and still keep the continuity of Biotish, Martin, and Steele when he's healthy because Terrence Steele, to the point of one of the textures here, has said, look, Terrence Steele is on pace to get a massive deal as a right tackle. Terrence Steele, one of the best right tackles in the game. Again, when healthy. So what I am so confused by is the idea that you're going to play experimentation 
with this offensive line when you told me your best offensive line includes Tyron Smith in it because let's look at the contract that Tyron Smith has going into his final year here, Mm -hmm. okay? One year, $6 million, $17 million max. Yeah. That breaks down to this. $3 million bonus, base salary, $3 million guaranteed, which means my man has to pay, has to play to get paid this year. Yes. He gets a $1 million bonus for hitting 50, 55, 60, 65, 70, 75, 80, 85, 90% of the snaps this year. And then you get other incentives as you get into the playoffs and win playoff games, that kind of thing. Yeah, and it'd be real nasty work if you, if he, you know, you have those negotiations. He's like, all right, I'll do this for you. And then you don't give him the opportunity to go earn that money. And then not have him do it yeah. at his best position, which is left tackle. Uh, that's the part where there's so many things that I'm confused by here. And the idea put forward that has been talked about by the Cowboys, apparently, is that Terrence Steele could be an out-of-the-box uh, option at left guard. That does not make any sense to me whatsoever. And a fair argument is coming in on the text line right now from the 682. You're setting Dak up for failure. Um, and they, so they, they're taking this from a different perspective because they're like, so you can get rid of him, which I think is stupid, um, personally. Um, just my opinion. That's fine. Um, but I think more importantly is that you're not giving yourself the best opportunity to succeed, which isn't that the objective here, right? Give yourself the best opportunity to succeed. Um, yeah, it just, I wonder how much of this is we are going through, like, we're going to consider every situation. And so, like, we're going through all of the least, li- least, least likely solutions just for them to come back to what is the most likely solution, which I, it seems like a no-brainer. It seems like the, uh, the common sense solution of put the guy who has already played some left guard and seemed like he was capable of handling it and has the size and the power to play left guard and let the guys who have played the tackle positions that – uh, that you know that they've played previously, play those positions again, and yes. then have everything go with the least amount of uh, rejiggering and re- moving around. Yes. Um, how much of this is just like it's it's the, that time of year where we're going to talk about all the permutations before we set it back to what is ultimately going to be the most logical, I guess, from my perspective, answer. Well, and that's true that this will be a conversation that continues to go on. But I go back to this then. You decided not to address with significant capital the left guard spot because you decided in the first round to go with a defensive tackle in Mozzie Smith. No harm, no foul there. That's fine. When you decided not to do that, you put yourself in a position where you have to utilize the resources that you're there. And again, if we're talking about best five, you told me that Tyler Smith was a part of this because if you wanted to start Tyler Smith at left tackle and him being the left tackle of the future for now and into the future, you would have moved on from Tyron Smith. Somebody jumped into my mentions and said, this is the Dallas media and others who don't want to see Tyron Smith be moved off from when it comes to starting the future of Tyron Smith at left tackle. No, that's the Cowboys who don't want to move off of Tyron Smith because if they were true to the idea that Tyler Smith needs to get the positional reps now as you're starting left tackle for now and in the future, you move on from Tyron Smith. But they didn't, and they gave him an incentive-based contract to where he has to play to get paid, which means they still feel he's part of the best lineup that they could put out there in their offensive line, which is why I'm thoroughly confused at the idea that they would try to consider anything else than having Tyler Smith play left guard based on your situation right now. That's the part where I, where I don't understand that at. I don't know. I, I'm I'm conf- I'm con- consigning myself to the idea that 
this is just all the scuttlebutt. These are, these are the wildest thoughts that they have in their mind and that eventually we'll get to the place where they will make what I think we both believe is the right decision and sell this down with an easier uh, permutation that puts Tyler Smith at left guard. Who, who's the starting five then? If we start week one today, who's your starting five on the offensive line? I mean, I believe it's the same one that you've laid out, which is Tyron Smith at left tackle, Tyler Smith at left guard, Tyler Biotish at center, uh, Zach Martin right guard, Terrence Steele at right tackle, obviously assuming that Terrence Steele is ready to go, which it mm-hmm. seems like he probably will be. Yeah. That's the way I would go. But the, the way I think this line is going to look, when we get to week one, I think they will have Tyler Smith at uh, left guard. At left tackle? Or left tackle, excuse okay. me. Whomever at left guard. Let's Idogo, say Farniak. We'll go with Farniak. Mm-hmm. Beatis at center. Martin at right guard. guard. Tyron Smith. And then Terrence Steele as your swing tackle. Yeah, which I think is a, I, a I, massive mis- mistake on I my mind. I can see that happening. That's the way I think they're going to line up week one. I don't think they should do that, but that's what I think they're going to line up with. I don't, I don't get it. But, again, you're right. We're going to be talking about this quite a bit throughout the course of the offseason, but obviously that's the reporting coming from Michael Gelkin of the Dallas Morning News that Terrence Steele has been considered an out-of-the-box option uh, at left guard for the Dallas Cowboys. It, it feels like they're making it harder than it needs to be. C- completely. That's all that boils down. They're making this much harder than what it needs to be. Shout-out to the Cowboys for doing that. <laughs> Uh, to get right, Reggie KG right here on 105.3 The Fan. Coming up next, we're going to go inside the gray area where, of course, there is no gray area. Do that next on The Get Right. About to go inside the gray area here on The Get Right, Reggie KG on 105.3 The Fan. Kevin Gray, Reginald Latatula. Yo. Justin Honore holding it down for you here on this Memorial Day. Appreciate you joining us on Odyssey and the Odyssey app. The text line 877-881-1053. 877-881-1053 if you want to get in on the conversation. Coming up here in about uh, 15 minutes, we will get you ready for stars in game six at the American Airlines Center. If you're heading to the AAC right now, appreciate you being tuned in with us as you make your way to the America Airlines Center where it's going to be very loud inside that building the puck drops at the top of the hour at seven o'clock as the stars look to stave off elimination stave one more time and to do so in front of the home crowd at the aac at kevin gray sports at reg at a tool if you want to get at us on twitter before we go inside the gray area real quick i want to address this text here because we were talking about the um cowboys offensive line and the idea that Terrence still may be a quote out of the box option at left guard, and from the two five four, my worry about Tyron at tackle is injuries. So we're just moving Tyler back and forth again. Well, let's just go down that rabbit hole real quick. Let's say Tyler, or excuse me, Tyron Smith is your starting right tackle this season, and if you're concerned about injury, let's say he gets hurt playing right tackle. In this scenario. Tyler Smith is your left tackle. Terrence Steele gets reinserted as your right tackle in this case. So once Tyron Smith gets healthy, are you really about to be in a position? If you're going to keep Tyler Smith as your left tackle, are you really about to tell a guy who's going to the Hall of Fame as a left tackle, hey, Tyron, you're our swing tackle now for the rest of the season? I don't think the Cowboys are in a position to tell Tyron Smith that, especially when you gave him an incentive-based deal to where he has to play to get paid. 
I simply don't see that scenario happening. So, again, the best five I'm running out there, Tyron at left tackle, Tyler Smith at left guard, Biotis at center, Martin at right guard, Terrence Steele when he's healthy at right tackle, and keep it moving from there. So we'll see. But, again, Cowboys will have their own ideas on what they want to do, and that's why they pay Mike Solari and, you know, the offensive line coach and all those people to, uh, to figure that out. That's why they're getting paid the big bucks and not necessarily me. Uh, let's go inside the gray area here uh, on the get right. As um, oh, look at you! Got the original uh, gray area music here. Uh, so now we just doing bits from the two one port four. Put Tyron at left guard. He's strong enough. I'm not even. Anyway, um, thank you for your participation. Two one four though. Thank you. Put Cavante Turpin at guard. <laughs> Love Cavante Turpin said, I'm not fair catching a damn thing. I mean, Kelvin Joseph already moved to safety. He can move to guard. The headline goes like this, gentlemen. Because, of course, Florida. <laughs> Florida man loses arm after being attacked by an yeah. alligator behind a bar. I've seen this video. There's a video? Yes. Because, again... Florida. Is it like surveillance video or somebody with a camera? It's the aftermath. Oh, no. Mm. That's the part that I don't want to see. Mm. A Florida man is lucky to be alive after having his arm amputated above the elbow following an alligator attack behind a bar in Port Charlotte, Florida. Did the gator tell him he wanted to take it out back? I don't understand. Wow. Out back? Really? All right. The alligator attack occurred in the early hours of Sunday morning behind Bandino's Bar in Port Charlotte, about 30 minutes south of Sarasota. There are typically less than one unprovoked attacks by alligators uh, on humans each year in Florida. Attacks by alligators on humans are very rare. Even rarer are attacks of this nature where someone has to have their arm amputated. Wait, go back. Can you just run that back right quick? Did they make sure to add the idea of unprovoked? Like, <laughs> if you got attacked by an alligator, you was doing something. Is that is that basically what they were saying in the in the story there? It appears so. Okay, fantastic. Um, and I'm sorry, I had to address this because we're oh, we no. doing from the nine four zero. I don't know if Tyron is a Hall of Famer. Played a full four season. Played a full season four times in his career. What? Tyron Smith had his ticket punched to Canton. What? Five years ago? We don't have to do that 940. Tyron Smith is a definite Hall of Famer. Arguably the best left tackle that the Cowboys have had in franchise history. I mean, usually one of the things that you can use as a barometer for um, making the Hall of Fame is making an all-decades team. 2010s, all-decades team. <laughs> Hall of Famer. Two-time All-Pro, eight-time Pro Bowler. That usually will. On lock. Yeah, That's a make- lock. Uh, Todd Dunn, a Charlotte County Fire and EMS spokesperson, said the, quote, responding crew treated a male patient who had an above-the-elbow amputation of his upper right extremity. Bystanders applied a tourniquet to the patient before we arrived, end quote. I don't know if they're trolling 469, but I appreciate the sentiment. Um, the alligator was determined to be a 
10 foot, oh my God. five inch gator in the pond behind Bandito's Bar. A press release from the Florida Fish and Wildlife Conservation Commission, say that 10 times fast, can't, uh, says the 10 foot, 10 plus foot alligator was captured and, quote, humanely killed after the attack. Oh, man. That's, well, I mean, can't really have the gators out here attacking folks now, can we? In December, the Florida Fish and Wildlife Conservation Commission mm-hmm. published a fax sheet on, quote, human alligator incidents. The gist is attacks of this nature are incredibly rare, not only in Florida, but everywhere alligators are present. Rare or not, this must have been a walking, a waking nightmare for the man who uh, was attacked, obviously. Yeah. According to a report in USA Today, emergency services were called into the bar around 1.40 a.m. Sunday morning. 2 a.m. is closing time uh, at Bandito's. Okay, Sunday morning. Sorry, I, I thought 1.40 like, on, on a Sunday. What is you doing? But I was like, that's Saturday night. Okay. I was like, if you out here late on a Sunday, mm-hmm. I don't know if, the, is that even fair to judge people on that? Like late on a Sunday, just it feels weird. But I was just like, you out late on a Sunday. Asking for trouble. I don't know why my brain went there. Uh, but yeah, 2 a.m. is closing time in Bandito, so the incident likely occurred at or around uh, last call, uh, just as Saturday night, as the Saturday night crowd was preparing to uh, head home. Do we have any idea what he was doing out back? Because like in my mind, like it's out back is like an alley or whatever, not somewhere behind the building where you should be hanging out. We using the restroom. They don't got restrooms. Okay. Probably a long line. <laughs> 140. Okay. <laughs> and the, the gator got his arm, not his leg. Right, he got his arm. So I'm like, I'm not trying to blame the dude, right? I have no idea what happened. Well, like but I quite trying. literally have no idea what happened. I'm like, how did that? How did the gator get your arm before your leg? Like, what? what, what? I, I, I don't think, I think it's okay to blame the dude. Oh. Oh, really? Yeah. All right, we're going to get some victim blaming oh, here. Wow. On the gear, right? okay. okay, Justin, go please, ahead. Please explain. In Florida. You live in Florida. If that's you good live enough. In Florida, he's like that's a pre-existing condition. You, you live in Florida. All like the handbook on moving to Florida is <laughs> there should be an understood understanding. Uh huh. Oh, I like what you did there. That's understood right. understanding. That's all right. right, all right. That you're gonna go by a body of water. There's a possibility there might be a gator in there. The logic is logicing right and, now. I'm but sorry. The, well, hold on. Wait. 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 But there, the idea that said alligator would pop up behind your what? bar. Like a hungry, hungry hippo? Like it's it's probably like if you see the video, it's like in a swamp. So where the bar is located? I, I don't know about Why the we bar, build it? but where they found the dude. Oh, okay. He's like in like a marsh area that looks like a gator would hang out at. Mm-hmm. So wrong the place, line, wrong time the, for the human. If the it sounds line like. is that long, it's one forty. Go ahead, and just pee your pants, man. Wow. Whoa. That's the solution. Wow. It, you're waiting in line to pee your pants because you can go home after that, but now you don't have an arm. So it's, you're weighing the options here. Yeah. There, that was Wet pants way too versus, matter of fact. Yeah, like that's way too matter of fact. <laughs> wow. Like he said, forget the embarrassment. Just said, I have no sympathy. No. That's wild. Wow. He was uh, like, hey, man, it, if it look, if it walked like a duck, quack like a duck, it's like, look, man, this is gator territory, dog. Well, shout out to the bar patrons. The bar patrons slowed the bleeding by creating a tourniquet. Sure. Upon arrival, the first responders had to immediately perform. They had to immediately perform the above 
the elbow amputation to save his life. That's yeah. Just, so they had to do that sight on scene. That's that's oof, now that's, that's crazy. I'm telling you, the thing is like completely off. Usually you can you know get this thing to the hospital, but they was like, no, actually we got to save his life now. Cut the thing off. The gator went wild. Uh, I just. I'm just like, why Why are we so close to the gator situation? And I understand, like, the gators can move around. It's not like, but it's, I, the problem is I don't have enough of a visual of the landscape. Like, was out back, like, you you walk out the door and there's a pond right here? Or is there, like, enough distance where, you know, you had to traverse a little bit or the gator had to traverse a little bit? I don't know. I got you. Okay, thank you. Please. Uh, the victim was then flown by helicopter to the Gulf Coast Hospital in Fort Myers. Okay. Now, the bar where the alligator attack occurred sits on a pond and is across the street from a Publix. That's a grocery store. Yeah, Publix is everywhere, though. Supposedly have really good sandwiches, too. Um, that's <laughs> oof. It is in close proximity to the uh, El Jobin Bridge. Sure. A popular fishing spot where the uh, Mayaka River meets Charlotte Harbor. Not sure you said those right, but that's fine. Because I don't know that pronunciation either. I can't get mad at you. <laughs> For the nine four zero, Justin thinks like me. Don't want to take a, don't want a chance a gator or a shark. Uh, stay away from them. I mean, all right. Don't have to get ready if you stay ready. But just, oof, that's just. I just feel bad. Like usually, I could be like, you know, find some funny in it. I, I just feel. I'm bad still about tripping the whole out situation. at the idea that they said sight on scene, the arm got to go. Like that decision was made right then and there. That in order to save his life. Arm got to go. Well, I'm not an uh, emergency medical, te- whatever. I don't know what EMT stands for. Sorry. Um, but I'm not an EMT. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I was about to say technician, but I was like, I'm not even sure that's the right word. Um, I could Google it right now, but I feel like you guys listening will enjoy it more if I sound stupid. <laughs> so I hope you enjoyed that. Uh, but, yeah, no, the EMT, I'm going to trust their judgment here, I guess. Yeah, same. But that, I same, guess same, same. that speaks to just how, how gnarly – the event was. That's just tough. I just feel bad for for the guy. Uh, that's your trip inside the gray area where all of us still have our arms at this point. Uh, fried chicken at Publix is fire. Thank you. Uh, come on, stop acting like you guys are from another planet. He was drunk. Uh, drunk folks found in dumb places do dumb things. It's possible, but I wasn't there. I I, I wasn't there either. Giving so. him a little bit of the benefit of the doubt here. I don't know yeah. what, what could have happened there. He, yeah, he might have been drunk and wandered into the wrong place. Yes, it's a possibility. Now, also, Justin, on the other hand, now. Also, a, a wild animal might have done some wild animal stuff because we as human beings built our built our stuff a little too, too close to their habitat. That's also a possibility that I'm trying to leave room for. It's the Get Right with Reggie KG here on 105 through the fan. Gentlemen, the captain is on the ice. With his hair all slick, too. Jamie Benn is ready to make his return. Three keys for the stars to stave off elimination. Stave it. Tonight at the AAC. We talk about it next on the Get Right. Three keys for your stars to stave off elimination tonight. Stave. At the American Airlines Center as your stars look to push it to a decisive game seven between themselves and the Golden Knights. It's the Get Right for Reggie KG on 105.3 The Fan. Kevin Gray, Reginald Atatula, mm-hmm. Justin Honore holding down for you here. Appreciate you joining us on Odyssey and the Odyssey app. If you're making your way to the AAC, the puck drops in about 15 minutes. And the game will be broadcasted on ESPN. 
as the return of the captain, Jamie Benn, will be on full display, and your stars looking to extend it to a decisive Game 7 back in Vegas. The Vegas Golden Knights still looking to end things here in Dallas. At Kevin Gray Sports, at Reg Attitude, if you want to get at us on Twitter. Coming up at the top of the hour, we'll get you caught up on the latest headlines of this Memorial Day. Of course, the good guys getting a win today in Detroit, 5-0, as the Rangers continue their hot start to the 2023 campaign. Again, your headlines at the top of the hour here on 105 through the fan. But three keys, though, for the Stars tonight as they are looking to stave off elimination. Same. And the we get this uh, from the very nice folks at NHL.com. And number one is the biggest story of tonight's game. Ben's return. Of course, in 82 games during the regular season, 33 goals, 45 assists, and 11 points in 16 games during the Stanley Cup playoffs. Of course, it was his cross-check, though, that led to his suspension for games four and five. But now he has a chance at redemption as he comes back with his stars. This is going to be cut number one. Emily Kaplan of ESPN describing what Jamie Benn's return means for the stars through their eyes. Take a listen. Well, Jay, something that I heard the guys say at a time when everyone was counting them out was a motivation for us is just to extend the series so our captain season does not have to end this way. Jamie has been around the team during his suspension. He made the trip to Vegas. But as his coach Pete DeBoer said, he is not a good spectator. He, DeBoer said he is an angry bear walking around just waiting to get back in. To that point at morning skate today, Jamie Benn was the first guy on the ice. So there's a level of intensity they expect from their captain as he returns here at home. And there's two other reasons that the team feels really confident. One, for a large part of the series, they were only getting scoring from their top line led by Jason Robertson. The secondary scoring stepped up. And two, their top defensive stars. Number one defenseman Mira Haskinen wasn't at his best in game one. Goalie Jake Ottinger had been shaky at times. But as DeBoer said, those two guys, they don't have two bad games in a row. And they're now showing the consistency and excellence that the team believes can force a game set. Well, there you go. Uh, what I gather from that is it is going to be a true, pure team effort tonight. All hands on deck. And it doesn't get much better than the return of your captain to help you out in game six. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, you were missing two of your better forwards and one of those comes back. Um, interested to see what Pete DeBoer does with the lines. Because, I mean, I've heard credible folks discuss, like, I don't even know what the right word is. But, like, you know, you've gotten, like Emily was mentioning there in that audio, you've gotten some good effort from some of your deeper lines or from your, you know, lower down lines. And so which of those guys do you then, you know, take back out of what I would guess would call the rotation um, and, you know, to get that ice time back to the captain. So I'm, I'm interested to see what the decision-making is there. Um, also, as this continues, like the series continues and the, you know, the, the, the tactics, the, the the back and forth continues because we've seen Pete DeBoer make some adjustments that have helped uh, that have helped the offense get significantly better. And we'll talk more about that here, I believe, with this next uh, thing that needs to happen for your stars. Number two being the Dallas forecheck and Vegas breakout. Turnovers have been the story, especially in game five, where Vegas had 24 giveaways in game five, largely due to the terrific forecheck mm-hmm. 
of the Dallas Stars. Yeah, the Stars have been much more aggressive uh, since going down 3-0 in that way. And it shows up in high danger shots. Like, Because one of the things, again, coming into the series, we were talking about special teams. We are talking about uh, power plays and the ways in which um, Vegas seems to not do well on the penalty kill. And the Stars have been very good on power plays. And so, you know, that was where I anticipated this being good for the stars and we hadn't necessarily seen that early on but um when it comes to five on five play that was like all right we'll see what the stars do um in those first few games uh sorry games one through three the stars averaged six high danger shots per game in five on five play since then in games four and five 15 high danger shots in five on five they just pepper the net man like you give yourself an opportunity and it's just, it's a simple numbers game. Higher volume gives you a better opportunity of scoring. And I think that's what we've seen in the uptick in scoring for the Stars. And, of course, a lot, a lot of that starts with the forecheck. Or, sorry, the high forecheck for um, the Dallas Stars. Well, this is about a level of desperation and the ability to take some of those high danger shots. It makes a lot of sense because, look, what you got to lose at this point? Keeping up the pressure on the Vegas Golden Knights and forcing the issue is going to be something I think that has to continue tonight for the Stars and how much pressure they're able to get, how much zone time they're able to get within the Vegas Knights, you know, zone there is going to be huge. So And making it more difficult for Vegas to get out of their defensive zone. Like, yep. I think that's that's been something that we've seen kind of shift as well. Um, that's what I've hear, heard, at least, is that we've seen the um, Vegas have more issues getting out of the defensive zone, which keep it keep it in that on that side of the ice. Give yourself an opportunity to score goals, obviously win the game. Third key tonight coming from NHL.com when it comes to how this will be won for the Stars taking on the Golden Knights. Their head coach for the Vegas Golden Knights talking about it being a slot battle series. It goes like this. Dallas scored three goals in the slot in game five. Glenn Denning deflected a point shot. Forward Jason Robertson chopped at a puck in the thicket of sticks and bodies. And forward Tyler, or excuse me, Ty Delandria banged in a loose puck in front of the net finding ways to get deflections and put pressure on Hill at the net. Yeah, and Hill had been pretty good early on in the series. Um, yeah, make it more difficult for him. And that's, <laughs> like, the, the simplest portions of this, which is the portions that I can speak of, it seems very evident. Make it more difficult on their goalie who had been playing well. Um, give yourself a lot of opportunities to score the puck. Like that, that seems like the best way to do this. Now, of course, it's easy to break it down in those terms, but it seems like the more difficult tactical portions of this, Pete DeBoer has had answers for. And so hopefully whatever adjustments that the Vegas Golden Knights might make, Pete DeBoer has already uh, seen ahead of. And so now we'll get to this opportunity to hopefully force a decisive Game 7. And right now, the you know, the odds are saying it's in favor of the Dallas Stars, are they not? Yeah, Stars are the favorite tonight, over under five and a half goals. Um, Look, we've been talking about throughout the course of these playoffs that the Stars ultimately could not get where they wanted to go without Jason Robertson stepping up and putting the puck in the back of the net. He is doing that in this series and has done so much better. So, look, it's going to be interesting to watch to see how much pressure the Stars put on the Vegas Golden Knights from the first from the outset of this of this game what the first 5 to 7 minutes tells us about how the mindset of the Stars team will look again I think there's going to be a huge emotional lift with Jamie Benn coming back tonight which is going to be 
something special for this crowd to see. I'm sure the crowd will be in it and will be loud all night long at the AAC. So hopefully the Stars team can feed off the crowd and be able to put themselves in a position to get this thing back to Game 7 in Vegas. And it seems like someone is saying that um, Marchman is back in and Allison is the scratch. Allison has come in and, like, you know, really played, been a spark on the fourth line, you know, when he's had to fill in. But it seems like Marchman, who has had a little, you know, he's had some struggles in these playoffs. They're going to keep, stand by their guy and have him remain um, in this game. So I'm really interesting, really interested in uh, how this thing goes tonight. Obviously, just hoping for a win. That's all. I'm going to take the stars. I love the aggressiveness of what this team has played with. You've gotten some, you know, unexpected play in terms of goal scoring from Delandria in game number five. I mean, his two goals. I mean, if you had told me that Todd Delandria was going to come in in one of these games and be able to not only score twice, but also be the guy that decides one of these games, you know, not a lot of stars fans would have had that on the cards, but that's what happened. In game five, so stars force a game seven in my mind tonight. I'm here for it. Let's do it, man. The puck drops at the top of the hour at the America Airlines Center where your Dallas Stars are trying to even up a series in which they were down three games to none. Meanwhile, the Vegas Golden Knights trying to cap off what has been a spectacular season for them and trying to do so on the road. The puck drops at 7 o'clock at the American Airlines Center. Stars! Vegas Golden Knights. Game 7 could be upon us if the Stars get it done at the AAC. It's to get right. We're Reggie KG right here on 105 through the fan again. Appreciate you joining us here on Odyssey and the Odyssey of those who are making their way to the AAC, getting ready for what could be a spectacular night on home ice for the Stars. Uh, coming up next year on the Get Right, though, we get you caught up on the latest headlines on this Memorial Day, including the good guys getting it done on the road against Detroit. We'll talk about it all next on 105 Through the Fan.